0: Hello and welcome back to the Warfare Podcast. Now, if you couldn't tell from the intro, we are talking about armored trains. Now, this is something I've kind of been doing for a while. It's, it's I think this would be a good episode if you ask me. But we're not talking about just every armored train. We're talking about one specific that I find is really just the symbol of all the armored trains. This would be the uh, the, uh, the Russian one, which is about Zimmerets, And to me, is a, mach- a machine of war that knows no loyalty is only as faithful as the crew that owns it so first off we're going to talk about how um armored trains became you know why were they used for in war and what you know the first application that i could find that they were used in war so armored trains i mean how, how did they go from transporting material peoples and uh materials so the first train was made in eighteen o four in Wales, pulling up to twenty five tons and seventy people over ten miles. So, I mean, that's fairly impressive at the time for cars and horses. I mean, compared to compared to those two, that's pretty impressive. But as time grew on, uh, they became a lot more efficient, and people started to like them. They became more useful, and um, eventually, they were used greatly in the Wild West for going from place to place. And also very effective in the North as well from transporting materials from down South to the North and vice versa. So, and obviously um, the first use that I could find that they, that they were was in the, was in the U S civil war with um, the North actually having more trains and railroad uh, or railways. This actually helped out the help the North out immensely as well by allowing them to transport troops and um, people faster Uh, transport troops and materials faster to wherever they needed them rather than the south where they had to rely on horses or men marching or just local areas so this was a lot faster and a lot better for the north and also the north did actually weaponize them it wasn't really the greatest but I guess it did the job basically it was a steam engine where it had a wooden box that uh, had firing ports for men to shoot out of and so men would literally just sit inside the box and shoot out at enemies yeah, not not very good, but and also the other type of warfare that was used was uh, in Sherman's March, where uh, or Sherman's bowties, where they'd take the um, railroads, the railroad um, tracks, they'd pick them up, uh, heat them up, and they'd bend them around trees, basically mutilating them and making them completely useless to the South, which did work quite effectively, if I do have to say. I mean, it it did damage railways because if one section of track is damaged, then that train cannot go until. It is repaired because a train cannot, you know, it can't just move around it. It has to stay on that line. So it, it was effective. It did work and it did, and it did its job. So, but, um, it, but with World War One on the rise, nations started to see the prowess of um, armored trains and their usefulness in war so nations like germany france and russia russia being the biggest user of armored trains compared to the other nations in, Osh- in the austro-hungarian Osh- empire with the habsburg dynasty they actually you know started to see the usefulness of them so they started producing more and more armored trains so with world war 1 being locked being a deadlock before it was you know in 1915 1916 and 1914 it was actually pretty mobile but Around that 1915 1916 mark, it became a straight, solid deadlock. You know, one side couldn't break the others, and the other couldn't break... You know, they couldn't, they couldn't move past each other's lines. So, they dug trenches of endless, endless trenches from sea to sea. So, you know, the countries needed some way to break the deadlock, and Russia used the armored train to break the deadlock. But, um, and... The original thing to try to break, that was the Tsar tank, but that failed horribly, which will be a future bonus episode. But um, Russia having the decent amount of railroads and producing a large amount of armored trains compared to other countries. Uh, it was about a few hundred if I have to, if I couldn't find an actual number. But by the time that Russia had pulled out at the end of the war, they had about a, about seven. So, but uh, as we, Zemritz was probably the most unique in my opinion, Compared to the others, because it had about 12 millimeters in, at its weakest points, and, and about um, at its thickest, about 16 millimeters, so roughly half inch thick, all the way around steel plating, with two turrets holding 57 millimeter Nordfeld guns, which later changed to 76.2 millimeters uh, Putilov, basically an artillery cannon. I mean, it's three inches wide in 1918, and we'll cover that later and why they were and who did that. Now, these two turrets, both holding one gun of their own, could rotate a full 360 degrees. They also had 10 10 to 60 degrees of vertical firing with uh, for the main cannons. So that's that's pretty good and really useful for the crews that had them. And also the eight and they also had eight other heavy machine guns to help support the two massive guns in case if an enemy got close. And also, this was all towed around, and it was multi-cart as well. It was, I think, a total of five-ish cars, five or six cars uh, made up Zemretz. It was two machine guns. So, actually, I guess in the order, it was, the first was the two um, artillery, the two artillery uh, turrets, and those were all their, their own one cart, and the next was the engine, and then I think it was a coal supply and then it was the two end turrets at the end the that had the machine guns i i I wouldn't quote me on that it's no picture actually truly shows the entire thing altogether but i think it was about uh four to five carts or it was yeah five to six carts i think but you really can't find anything but um as i had stated this machine of war knows no loyalty and because it really was moved from nation to nation. Any nation that had this was almost guaranteed to scare any enemy just because it had grown a name in the Middle East, or not Middle East, but in the um, Western Europe. It's, it truly was a force to be reckoned with with the damage that it could deal. But um, being built in Odessa Rail Yards in 1916 and being finished in October of the same year where it uh, served the White Army, now, when I say white army, I mean like the White Russians or imperial or imperial Imperial Russia. Ugh. so I so because there's the White Russians and there's the Red Art Russians, which were the Bolsheviks. So it's imperial versus Bolsheviks or communists. So, but uh, it, it served for the White Army in the Glacian Front against the Austro-Hungarian Empire. But um, in 1917, the train was uh, went back to Odessa rail yards to be refitted and where they and what they did was they raised the turrets for better clearance and they added a kind of like a square shaped firing columns on top of the turrets so to allow the crew to see a bit better but um when it was finished it was then returned to russia um and while it was there the october revolution happened which happened in november for some reason i don't know why it's called that and i'll probably be talking about that later as well but as you can imagine october revolution they overthrew the government and with the zargon um The Bolsheviks in power, Mikhail Artemovich, was assigned to uh, to Zemritsk in January 1918. And then it was sent back to take care of, uh, to take back Russia's breadbasket, Ukraine, which uh, Ukraine was lost in an agreement with the Bolsheviks and the German Empire to just stop the war between the two of them. But obviously they wanted Ukraine back because Ukraine was what grew basically all of Russia's crops. It was very important. But um, when the Russians pulled out of Ukraine and handed over to the Germans, Ukraine fell into absolute anarchy and was in control of German-leading nationalists that, were, that fought very hard against the Russians. Because obviously, I mean, you know, they're not going to give it that great fertile soil for growing bread. Because, I mean, obviously, during time of war, they want as much as they can possibly get. They're, they want as much food as they can get for their troops and for their people at home who are starving. But in uh, March of 1918... Zemraths met up with BP-3, which is um, another armored train, uh, another very dangerous armored train and well-known. But um, uh, BP-3 was uh, derailed and later captured by a gorilla, by anarchist guerrillas. Um, but when Zemraths met up with BP-3, they are coupled together and went back to wrecking havocs, havoc on the front lines. But um, while they were doing that in a battle, they were ripped apart by German artillery, but they somehow managed to limp back, to Russia for repairs after being fired upon by artillery. Kind of crazy that, you know, an armored train, and I imagine that the rails are probably damaged as well. You know, crew's probably injured, rails are damaged, the The train itself was probably damaged, it's probably under fire from, you know, infantry, they still somehow managed to go back to Russia. I thought that was kind of interesting. But um, after they were fixed, they went back to the South to fight counter-revolutionary whites, and the train's name was changed to Lenin, At this time, because it was because it did serve for the army where it was called Zimmeritz and um, when it was under the Bolsheviks rule, it was called Lenin. But I'm still going to call it Zimmeritz because it's an absolute headache. Because, I mean, it it gets its name changed, I think, like four or five times. But um, while it was fighting down in the south, the Chez Legion or Czechoslovakia, the area, um, was, was starting to get mad at Russia. Because many issues with POWs and unfair treatment were happening on both sides, and the Chez Legion had enough, so they so they decided that they are going to storm uh, Russia itself and take Vladivostok, which was an important railway area in Russia. So what they did is they took their own trains, armored them up, and set off to take uh, Vladivostok. Now, Leon Trotsky at the time was actually trying to get the, the Chez Legion into the Red Army, but basically that was kind of... Um, that was kind of just off the table now with the Chez Legion being against them. So Trotsky sent in Zimmeritz to, to go and take care of the problem. But, um, while, uh, Zimeritz was, a, was attacking and the Chez Legion was attacking, they actually managed to capture Zimeritz. So, because I mean, the, the red army troops with them just now finally getting, you know, their own independence. They're feeling pretty cocky. I'm, I'm assuming that. And also the, uh, Beaten and battle hardened legion troops were, you know, they they knew war compared to the other, uh, you know, the over, you know, the the Russian Reds. So Zimmeritz then was captured by the battle hardened troops because the Germans or the Russians really weren't that good. They didn't that compared to the to the battle hardened legion troops. So with Zimmeritz being in control of, uh, being controlled by the um, Chez Legion, they then changed the name from Lenin to Orlik, and now the name Orlik actually means young eagle in chess I thought that was kind of odd and interesting, and while in the chess Legion, they actually changed the cannons from those, uh, they actually changed the cannons, those three-inch artillery cannons on it, making, um, a lot bigger and a lot deadlier, but, um, during this entire thing, uh, the, 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 the the change was really kinda was for nothing because the Treaty of Versailles was happening and Ches got their own the Ches Flakia was created, so the Ches Legion now had their own nation to do what they wanted. But um so they decide, okay, well, I guess it's kinda useless to have this place now that we have our own nation. So they then retreated from Vladivostok, but while they were um retreating, they're actually blindsided by the Red Army. And but they actually got to keep the train that they had. Because um, the legion actually had some uh, some people that the Reds wanted and some gold from uh, from looting, so they kind of signed you know an agreement saying, "Okay, we we'll just hand over this stuff and you just let us go," and that's what happened. So Zaramut was still part of the legion, and the legion just kind of turned into turned into mercenaries, and Russia kind of just got money and the person that they were looking for and just went on their merry way doing what they were doing. So with Zamurits now as mercenaries with the Ches Legion. They went to uh, Japan-controlled Mongolia and China. And what and as they're passing through with Zamuritz, uh, the Japanese officers-, officers were actually kinda weary of the Legion because they had some of a, a bit of a reputation being known to kind of betray their allies from time to time. And uh Zimeritz was made them even more dangerous, so obviously they're a lot more weary. But um as they're going through helping out Japan. They were actually, um, a a gunfight broke out, and the Legion stayed out of it, but for some reason, Zemretz, the crew with Zemretz was accused of firing one of the cannons. So the Japanese government seized uh, the war machine, and they said that they would not get it back, but the Legion protested, because obviously if they they did give it back, they'd they'd be admitting that they were wrong. Obviously they didn't want to do that, but, um... General Shigemoto Oi told the uh, told the Japanese Expeditionary Forces to hand Zimmerit back to the Legion, but the White Russians got their hands on it before the Chez Legion could get it. So now it's back in the um, the White Russians' hands right now. Now the now during this time, the Whites actually had maintained about eighty armored trains throughout the entire uh, Russian Civil War, but the Bolsheviks had taken some of them as the Whites were pushed against the wall. And the Chinese took them in and gave them a safe place. And while the Whites still having uh, Zemrits, some Russians went to mercenary work ending, um, and they ended uh, about 1924. So from about, I'm going to say, 1919 to 19, oh, I don't know. the, the There really isn't much recording for this story, which I really don't like, but is what it is. But um, yeah, that's when it ended for the White Russians um, using that. So it went. So here's kind of a timeline of what happened so far. So it went from White Ru- White Russia to Red Russia, and then it went to the Chez Legion, and then it went, and then it went to the Ches Legion mercenaries, and then back to White Russia. So yeah, it's changed hands a, de- a fair amount. But uh, the Fentang army learned from the white Russians how to build armored trains, and they produced their own entire um, train division with Zemrits and six other armored trains. And that meant that China was actually the largest nation with trained warfare. Kind of interesting. I mean, I would never really expect that from China. But uh, while Zemrits was serving in China, it was renamed to train number 105 before it was captured in 1931 by the Kwantang Army, and this was the last rec- record of Zemmeritz after that. So we don't know if it was scrapped, if it was blown up, or if it was just hidden away, never to be seen. It's kind of sad, and really, I really wish that this it didn't end like that. I truly wish that there was, like, we actually know where it was today. But, that's the last record. It was captured by Japanese, by Japan. So we don't know if it was used back against the Chinese or what. But, um, Zemmeritz actually does... St- believe it or not, still kind of live on to this day. With the newest, I guess, kind of seen thing of it was in um, uh, Battlefield 1. That that train, the, the train behemoth was actually almost identical to Zamritz. Just about everything was the exact same. I don't think the last two cars were the exact same, but that front turret was basically based off Zamritz. It was practically taken from Zamritz. So I, I do like that, that, they, that they did do an homage to Zamritz. But um, armored trains are actually still in use. Uh, I believe it was last year or so, 2018, when there was a peace meetup with um, Kim Jong-un and Trump. Or no, no, I guess it was 2019. I think it was, it was either May or March. It was one of those two months. I don't know. But um, rather than flying, Kim Jong-un took an armored train because obviously he would have to fly straight over uh South Korea. So obviously if you flew a sheriff or South Korea he'd get shot down ending tech, technically ending the, um, the Korean war, but, uh, so armored trains are still used, not for the same role as they were, because they're kind of really weak. Cause obviously you can just blow up the tracks and they're useless then. And then also while firing, they have to be really, um, really finicky about because you, cause, um, those two, cause if you have large cannons on, you can actually tip over the train and that, and also, they're fairly easy to derail in the first place. So trains, as effective as they can be, they're really not worth it. They really aren't that good. But um, thank you for listening to this podcast, and this has been The Warfare, and I am out. See you in the next one. These beasts of steel can be the embodiment of death and destruction for a soldier on the ground, with them boasting high speeds, hard to stop, heavily armored and massive guns, with cans that can shake the fields that the men are standing on, or even machine guns that can rip the men from shreds from pit.